Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi everyone, and thanks a lot for tuning in to GigPod episode 147. It's myself, Stevie, on this one to chat about Celtic 2, Kilmarnock now, a result that keeps us nine points clear at the top of the league. Now, this is a bit of a different kind of podcast, as for once, I won't be on my Rizzo or Spunkphone, but rather a Kilmarnock fan. Now, a lot like our Opposition Force series, where we sometimes preview a match with an Opposition fan, this time we're going to be reviewing the match from Saturday. And this is going to be with Mikey, who is a big Kelly supporter and a Steve Clark apologist. So, first off, Mikey, thanks a lot for coming on GigPod. Thanks for having me, Stevie. It's good to get a chance to talk about the game. Right. I'll try and keep it as objective as possible, right? And to clarify, I did say that it's going to be a chat about the game and it's not going to be a hat job on Kilmarnock FC before kickoff. When the lineups were announced, Denny McInnes opted to go with five at the back. When you look at Kilmarnock, I think their record at Celtic Park, um, to put it mildly, is pretty howling. Your last win was back in October 2012 and that was in a season when I think Lennon and the players were pretty much just phoning it in. Um, every second week and we still won the league with 79 points or something, one of the lowest, in fact I think it is still the lowest ever points total since it's been the three points for the win system, so thanks for that Lenny. Anyway, what does it normally feel like as a Kilmarnock fan going to Celtic Park, Mikey? Like, I'm imagining you're getting into the game and you're already thinking like it's going to be a three points to Celtic and that, but when you see the way McInnes sets up and the way that he did set up on Saturday, what is your like shoot opinion as a fan on that? So uh, you're right. Like I, I kind of see any any games we play against Celtic Rangers, even the likes of Hearts these days, you kind of take them as bonus games. You, you know, you don't count them in the points total at the end of the season. They're not going to make the difference when you're scrapping for relegation or fighting just to get into the top six. 
However, you know, like you say, casting my mind back to when the lineups were announced, there's just there's something about the way that teams in general, but I notice it mostly with Kilmarnock, and and certainly since Derek McInnes has come in and taken over, you know, even an hour before kickoff, never mind as soon as the first ball's kicked, but an hour before kickoff, you already think, right, well, that's the game by. You know, like you say, you see the 5-3-2, usually we try and play with four at the back, but McInnes likes to go for five in games where he's intending to sit in. So everybody knows what's happening. Everybody knows what you're about to see. It's not going to be nice football. It's not going to be exciting. Um, and, and we're not going to try and win. I think for me as a fan, that's the thing that probably winds me up the most when I see lineups like that and when I see performances like that, there, there, there was no intention of trying to win that game. If we'd left there with a point, Derek McInnes and his head would probably have been celebrating like we'd won the World Cup because that's the ultimate goal and, and there's no ambition beyond that. I can understand to an extent, Mikey. You know, when I look at the table and Kilmarnock, I've got the second worst goal difference in the league. Um, Ross County are at minus 20 and they are at the foot of the table. So like, I can understand it to a certain extent, right, coming to play negatively to try and frustrate and stifle us. But that would, as I say, work with different Celtic teams. But we're going to be pushing you as far up the pitch as possible. When we've got guys like Hitati in that team, we've got Jota in that team, we've got Daisamaeda, he's stretch any defence there. When we've got the majority of the ball against most SPFL opposition, and even Rangers, you saw Ibrox, the way we controlled that game, up until Joe Hart had a nightmare half an hour in. I mean, your heart must sink because you're never going to be able to keep guys like Kyogo, Jota and Maeda quiet. You're on a hiding to nothing really, aren't you? Yeah, totally. And and that's one of the things that really frustrated me on Saturday is going up against players with the quality that Celtic have and the players that we are putting it against them. I understand the logic behind sitting in deep and trying to grind out a draw. Or, you know, maybe you get lucky, you get one of the penalty shouts that we tried to get during the game and, and you get something from it but there's just such a disparity in quality that if your plan is just to come out sit back soak it up but you don't have the pace you don't have the skill the passing the vision to catch them on the break the worst three players in the park for Kilmarnock on Saturday were the three midfielders and if you're trying to play that kind of sitting deep soaking up the pressure catching them on the break you need those midfielders to be on the ball you need those midfielders to see the passes you need those midfield to know where it's going before it's ready to go the way that you get off the Celtic midfield Kelly's midfielders were catching the ball they were sitting on it they were sitting on it and they pass it to nobody or they sit on it and they get tackled straight away and they're kind of falling behind a Celtic player trying to match them so there's there's such a golfing class that trying to just sit back and, and hope to catch it and hope to soak up the pressure Kelly are not good enough to do that against a team like Celtic and it showed, you know, especially into the second half on Saturday. For the first kind of 30 minutes we were getting away with it but once, you know, those, the Kelly players and the older players in the team, especially your Alan Powers, your Ash Taylors, once the legs start to go, you really are on a hiding to nothing because you just can't compete when you're sending a team out there not to try and exploit weaknesses and there aren't a lot in this Celtic team, you know, I'm realistic about it but if all you're hoping to do is just hope that they have a bad day at the office, I don't know how much you're ever going to get out of games like that. From my point of view and from the point of view of a lot of Celtic fans, Mikey, the lineup we wanted to see was exactly what Ange went with. I was very surprised they went with Jota. I thought the Abada was going to get the nod, but I was delighted that Jota started. Um, the three changes I wanted to see made, James Forrest out and Jota Abada in. I was glad that Aaron Moy started as well. And also, I was happy to see Burnaby come in, the left-back too, because after... The nightmare Juranovic suffered at Ibrox, the, the thought of him playing at left-back again um, filled me with dread, so I was happy that the manager 
uh, played Burnaby, and I thought for the most part he played well. There's a lot of things he could have improved on, to be honest, but he did play a key part in the opener, which I'll come to later on, but it was the right team by the manager. And then when the game started, you know, five minutes in or so, Mikey, you've got Sam Walker time-wasting, taking ages at a goal kick. You had defenders, you know, taking about half an hour just for a throw-in. Snail's pace when it came to any set pieces. And when I'm at Celtic Park, I hear so much grumbling and frustration at this when a lot of other teams do it. To be fair, it's not just Kilmarnock that have came to Celtic Park and done this, Mikey. So, again, it's not as if it's sort of singling your team out. But you've seen Livingston come here and do it. And you've seen, you know, Murder will come here and do it as well. It's Murder. In fact, they, one of the only two teams that I think have came to Celtic Park this season and not tried it has been St Johnston and Christmas Eve, who were fairly open. I know we scudded them 4-1, but they were fairly open for the most part. And, you know, they even got a goal as well. We have a wee bit of pressure on us in the last 20 minutes of the game. And Hibs as well. Yes, granted, they lost 6-1 back in October. But they actually tried to come at us and they played a bit of football and, you know, any opposition fan listening in us will probably think, I just want teams to come and for us to run over the top of them. It's not the case. I understand to an extent why teams do this, but it's always going to backfire, Mikey, isn't it? Because it's like the ref, it's not as if like the ref is, <laughs> and again, I'm being a, giving the ref a benefit of the doubt here, especially against Celtic with the way that I've went on this season about the officials up here. I can imagine a referee is going to stop the clock there and he's going to add that time on at some point anyway. So I don't understand why, you know, you'd resort to that tactic. Maybe in the second half, maybe if you're trying to hold on to a leader, rescue a point. But in the first five minutes of the game, and Mikey, you watched the match as well, there's really no excuse for it, isn't there not? No, totally. As a Kilmarnock fan, seeing my team do it annoys me probably as much as it does for you as an opposition fan, watching a team come to Parkhead and do it. And it's interesting you bring up St Johnson because that's one of the games that, that I point to, you know, when I talk to my pals and I talk to folks that I go to the games with and say, you know, I mean, we lost 2-0 to Kelly as, as, as much used to as 4-1 is, but at least the St Johnson fans are away up the road thinking we gave it a go, we tried our best, Kelly fans came down the road on Saturday and we shrugged and the consensus among most folk was, oh, at least it wasn't five or six. But in a way, I would rather it was five or six if we were, you know, playing in the spirit of the game and actually trying to get something out of it. It's funny, earlier on you mentioned 2012. And obviously for Celtic fans, 2012 is a bit of a black mark. For me as a Kilmarnock fan, it's probably the best year that we had because um, we played great football under Kenny Shields. We won the Cup, beat Celtic in the Cup final, beat Celtic at Parkhead for the first time in 50-odd years. And that was a team that was coming up with intent, and they were coming up, and they knew what they were going to try and do. There was weaknesses in that Celtic team that you probably couldn't exploit in the current team, but as a fan, you'd much rather see your team go into a big stadium like that, go into a, a game against a team who you know are leagues above. Even in 2012, the golf and talent was massive. But you go in there with intent, you go in there and you want to try and you know, make the game worth it. Football, for me, is about entertainment. Whether you support Kilmarnock, whether you support Celtic, doesn't matter who you support. You know, you're going along and you're paying your money and you want to see something that's enjoyable to watch. You want to see something that you feel is worth the money. £32 a ticket it was in the away end at Parkhead on Saturday. I mean, who's going to pay £32 to, like you say, your keepers falling in the bowl and rolling about in the first five minutes? It's There's no push there. There's no reason for you to get behind that team. As a Celtic fan, when I saw us go to the Bernabeu against Real Madrid back in, was it the end of November, start of December? I can't remember exactly when. Obviously, we lost 5-1, right? What I was proud of with that Celtic team, 2-0 down in the first half, right? But we actually carved Real Madrid open 
more than once. Dyson Maeda was excellent down the left and, you know, Kyogo missed a couple of great chances. We even missed a penalty, right? I'm not celebrating that at all. Defeat's a defeat. 5-1 doing's a 5-1 doing, but at least you learned that that Celtic team will still go there, try and play football. I can't imagine if we played to try and stifle Real Madrid. At the end of the day, we're not good enough to do that, so we had to just play our own game. Maybe next season, if we're in the Champions League, maybe we'll tweak our tactics a wee bit and we won't be so open. We shall see, but at the end of the day, the manager said he wasn't going to be changing his style for any team, and he didn't against Real Madrid home or away. So as a fan, you're just wanting to be entertained. Getting back to Saturday's game, I have to say the, the first half was so, so frustrating. And it wasn't just down to Kilmarnock, to be fair. I think our football in general was suffering for the fact that there was just no movement in midfield. And I didn't feel we had a presence at times up front in the first 40 minutes or so. I don't think Sam Walker had much to do. We had a great ball with Aaron Moy. I think he fed Jota and Kyogo put the ball in. And to be fair... He was genuinely offside on that one, so I'm not going to come in here screaming at VAR and any officials in this case. But first half hour or so, Mikey, when it's now now, you know, we're not doing anything. We don't even look as if we can string a few passes together. You can hear the fans getting agitated. Coming back to you as a Commandant fan, are you thinking maybe, just maybe, this is our day? Or is it a case of it's inevitable at some point that Celtic are going to score because we're just sitting in too much? For me, it was inevitable. I mean, I, I think I described it on Twitter. I said it was the longest 45 minutes of football I'd watched in my life. And there's been games, you know, especially during the, the Stevie Clark era, there was games where we would set up to play in a similar style, but we had far more talented players or, you know, players that are still with us who were younger and had, had more legs in them. It felt totally inevitable from the first kick of the ball. And, and you're right, Celtic weren't, you know, blowing us away in the first half hour. There wasn't anything much to write home about but even in that first half hour when Celtic were you know you could tell they were growing into the game and like you say there'd been a few changes for the week before so there was a few players who were maybe still just getting back up to speed but Kelly were still giving the ball away in daft positions and they were just playing with so much fear I think that's the main thing I took away from it the Kelly players from the first minute were just playing with total fear anytime Celtic were coming at them it was like oh no 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 the the general vibe of the team was you know how how few goals can we get away with conceding today and and you can feel that as a fan when you see it on the pitch we were shaky nobody was confident on the ball nobody was playing with their head up looking for the pass everybody as soon as they got the ball they couldn't get it away quick enough so it was totally inevitable the fact that we held out for so long without conceding is probably one of the things that the team will be taking down the road as a plus point but it was coming it was always coming yep and it did come through Jota Back in the team and he made it 1-0. It was an excellent ball from Burnaby who, as I said earlier, his final ball on more than one occasion was fairly poor, to be honest. Some dire crosses, but he played an excellent ball for Dyson Maeda who, as I've said, since the World Cup has just been unbelievable for us. Great run for him. Cracking ball down the left-hand side and Jota stabs it home at the near post. From our point of view, it's a good goal, good move and I felt Celtic were very patient after, you know, as I said earlier, we were being frustrated by Kilmarnock earlier and we just weren't playing to the level that we know we're capable of. And finally, it was a cracking bit of play. And we got to go a lot of great time as well, just before half-time. If we went in 0-0 at half-time, you know, that's a different second half completely. But a doubt creeps in and all that as well. I was glad that we got that goal when we did. Mikey, from your point of view, does the Kelly goalie have to be a bit braver for the goal? Because I felt that Walker hesitated and as a result, maybe him not being so full-blooded meant Jota had a fairly easy tap in in the end. But I don't know if I'm being harsh or you've got your own criticisms in that respect. 
No, I have to agree, and it goes to what I'm saying about the team playing with fear. You could see when that ball came across, Sam Walker was in two minds, and you see that he goes low to kind of try and catch it. He goes low to try and catch it as if it was a, a wee daisy cutter for four or five yards out that somebody's sclaffed at. Totally misses it, Jota gets the chance to nip in and score it. And that just kind of exemplifies what we're talking about. And the goalies have been a problem for Kelly. The season we get relegated, they were a problem. Last year we were all right in the championship. This year the problems came back to haunt us. But th- there was no communication. You know, you've got guys back there like Ash Taylor who you'd want to be commanding the defence. And when you see that attack playing out, you know, getting ready, shouting yours, getting the keeper ready to come for it. He was so nervous that I think you're spot on. He does have to do better. Um, that, that goal especially, you know, he just he's, he's timid when he comes out. And somebody like Jota, when they smell blood in the water, they're, they're just going to take the ball. And, and you see what happens. Yep, you just mentioned Ash Taylor, and that's a man that I, of course, have never criticised in the past. He was a guy that made it 2-0 at first, when I was sitting, it looked like Kyogo scored after Hitati's excellent uh, assist, but it turns out it was Ash Taylor with the OG. He's got that in him, hasn't he, Mikey? And, you know, again, that's one of the ones that I'll take it every time as a Celtic fan. You, as a Kamarnock fan, do you reckon he should be doing far better there? Or do you just say, fair enough, it was just a great ball in for Hitati that committed him, basically? He does have that in him. I mean, to be fair to Big Ash, he's got goals at both sides of the pitch in him this season. He's one of our top scorers, but it's similar to the first goal for me. It wasn't quite as much a, a kind of scramble, but again, it's that lack of confidence. You know, he just kind of lunges in and he doesn't really seem to know what's going on round about him. And the keeper, again, I think the keeper could have done a bit more. He maybe came for it, gave the shout, got a bit more communication between them. I, I feel like, for all that I'm saying that the goals are inevitable, if you take the two goals in isolation out of everything else that happened in the game, they're two preventable goals. We're not talking 40-yard screamers into the top corner where you go, yep, that's what those players are capable of. You know, they were well-worked goals, they were well-taken goals, but they're goals that, you know, I'm fairly certain when McInnes sat down on Sunday and and started to go through the game and analyse it, he's going to look at those two goals and say, we could have and probably should have prevented both of them. And the second half, from our point of view, was such a delight compared to that first half. You know, it was actually worth turning up for. We played far better football in the second half, created more opportunities. We hit the post uh, four times, I believe. Gigi hit the post twice, and then James Forrest hit the post as well. And I've got to say, the save from Sam Walker to tip one onto the post just before the end was excellent. But before that too, Sam Walker, who I have pillared and I pelted, Back in August uh, in the 5 0 game, thought his save from Hitati was excellent to stop it being 3 0. Hitati was our man in the match um, officially, and of course, in my opinion as well, he was just excellent alongside Dyson Maeda on Saturday. Any players that stood out to yourself as well, Mikey, other than the players I've mentioned? None really from the starting 11, and that's maybe a little bit harsh. You know, we brought in a new striker, Vassell, who had just signed the week before, who'd, who'd been playing in America, and I was hoping he would offer something a little bit different. Again, McInnes, even going back to his Aberdeen days, you know, he, he likes a big lump up front, and that's what we've tended to do with Kyle Lafferty, who's obviously in the bad books um, for now. So we brought in Vassell, who we're hoping would give something different, but he looked tired, so there was nothing there to stand out for me. Again, like I say, that the midfield three I found really disappointing. I think Liam Polworth's been a bit of a bright spot for us this season. He seems to be growing into the, the Premier League more um, after a kind of bumpy season in the Championship, but I thought he, he was poor on Saturday. I'd say probably Fraser Murray when he came off the bench just gave us a little bit of a spark and again, 
going back to the formation, the 5-3-2, when you set up with those wing backs, between Fraser Murray and, and Danny Armstrong, they're probably our two best creative players. Unfortunately, they play the same position, but that's kind of what we needed. So Murray coming off the bench gave us a little bit of a spark, but not enough to really change the game. I think when you set up that negatively, it's, you know, unless you're you're going to put in a real commanding performance and that's where you'd be looking for the likes of your Ash Taylors, your Alan Powers to step up and take control of the game. But nobody did, so there's nobody I can really, you know, single out as, as a bright spot in that Kilmarnock side. Before the game, I predicted another disaster class from Alan, Scottish power, but it didn't happen. He didn't get booked and yes, he got subbed off, didn't he? But, I was expecting a booking or even a red card. Him to concede a penalty, an OG something. But no, for the most part, Alan Power was controversy free. Yeah, I think he was on his best behaviour after a, a particularly rash tackle at Motherwell just before Christmas and then the suspension and then he, he wasn't back in the side for the game against St Mirren and New Year's Day. So I think he was trying his very best not to get involved in anything um, aside from giving the ball away. The match at Celtic Park for you isn't going to define your season. As we said, it's a free hit. It's just a shame that McInnes decided to set up that way. He's not got a great record at Celtic Park, it has to be said, even with Aberdeen. I think the only result he got was a 1-0 win at the end of Brendan Rodgers' second season, the last game. I think it was on the day Rangers drew five each at Easter Road with Hibs and the Considine scored. And that result meant Aberdeen finished second. Generally, he's not got a great record at Celtic Park. It's been doing after doing there. And it's very refreshing to hear the fact that there's you know an opposition fan coming on, moaning about the way that these teams set up instead of just being a bit more adventurous and ambitious, you know. But again, I don't want to turn that into a hack job against Kilmarnock because there'll be more teams doing this at Celtic Park throughout the season and throughout the various seasons in the future. It's just something we've got to deal with. We're so hard done by, Mikey. But before we go, Kilmarnock will be playing Celtic next week at Hamden as well. Surely, surely you're going to go for it there, Mikey. What do you expect? So the romantic side of me hopes that this was McInnes lulling you into a false sense of security, you know, putting putting it out. It's all the old rope-a-dope. We play 90 minutes of the, the most trash football imaginable on Saturday and then we're going to go up to Hamden on Saturday and hit you with thunder and lightning and, and non-stop attacks for the full 90 minutes. That's the romantic part of me. The realistic part hopes that we do go for the game a little bit more. You know, I'd, I'd like us to see, I'd like to see probably go for a more of a 4-4-2 than the 5-3-2 that we had on Monday. Um, you know, get those wingers, like I say, Murray and Armstrong, two of our best players. Give them the chance, give them the chance to do something, give them the chance to create something. I'd, I'm not expecting Kelly to go up and to be playing, playing free-flowing, attacking football. You know, I don't think McInnes has any Ange ball in him. But I want to see us go for it more. This is our first trip to Hamden in 10 years. It's unfortunate that it has to come against Celtic. But, you know, if there's going to be a game for McInnes to throw caution to the wind and, and throw his usual tactics out the window, I'm, I'm really hoping that it's on Saturday. One of the good things is our record at Hamden, certainly in recent years, um, ever since Brendan Rodgers took over, it's no longer a nightmare ground for us to go to anymore. The Lenny days are long gone, and of course, Kilmarnock beat us in one of the Lenny specials back in 2012. Um, are you going to be going to that game, by the way? Yeah, I'll be there. I mean, Kelly are unbeaten at Hamden in the last 10 years, so we've got as good a chance of, as anybody of going up there and getting something. It, it's a day out for us more than anything else. I know if any Kelly fans listening to this, they're going to think I'm the most doer, defeatist fan that we've got going. Saturday left a bad taste in my mouth, but 
this coming Saturday is a different game. It's a different environment. So I'll be there. I'll have high hopes, um, and, and we'll see what happens when I head back home in the M77. We'll see what mood I'm in. Well, hopefully, Mikey, you're going down that M77 in tears at halftime when we are 3-0 up. I'm not going to have any more snidey digs towards you because you're a Kilmarnock fan that's came on this Celtic podcast. And ultimately, you just want to see your team playing better football. And we need to see more in Scottish football. Uh, I won't hold my breath there. Mikey, again, appreciate you coming on. Thank you very much. Cheers, thanks for having me. Right, everyone, and if you are interested in following Mikey and his ramblings on Kilmarnock and Derek McInnes, I'll tell you about to follow him in the episode description. So, thanks a lot for tuning in to episode 147 of GigPod. I'm Stevie, and you can follow us on all the usual podcast platforms. This is where Rizzo does his outro, so I'm having to cover for him. I've not got the dulcet tones of Rizzo, but you know where we are by now. You know where we are on social media and all that, at GigPod. You know where to follow us, you know where to listen leave us reviews, it really helps us out, and we'll see you on episode 148. Hail, hail. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.